almost teasing defenders to come try to get the ball. It's Lionel Messi stuff like that. That's how, <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's how Messi dribbles. It's like you, you can win it. I promise you can win it. No, you fucking can't. Wise up. Yeah. And... <laughs> Messi's doing it intentionally. Conan Nesri Conza took a heavy touch. Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted with one proviso. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a shot that badly missed that they... <laughs> <laughs> that the officials assume it must have been a defensive clearance. I have to say, I had been enjoying the crack with my Liverpool supporting friends about Darwin Nunes' miss, and I was sure we wouldn't see one as bad as that for the rest of the season. This was miles worse, and by miles, I mean it was miles more off target. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot believe how much we said Aston Villa players have brought back this habit of getting under the ball and leaning back and Bubakar Kamara looks like he's trying to just I wouldn't even say clear the danger it looks like he's trying to get it over the stadium and somewhere along the way the officials decided there's no way he's done that without the interference of a defender or of a deflection and we get the corner and we get back into the game because of it and you know maybe it wasn't a great performance maybe we got a lot of luck and a lot of unfairness to get back into the game. But that is now three wins in a row in the group. We're one point from qualification. Or all we have to do is hope that Zerinsky don't win their last game. You know, maybe 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 Zerinsky can do us a favour and we can get through without having to get one more point. We've got a hundred wins now in Europe for Mr. Emery. And the home <laughs> record. This home record of Aston Villas just gets better and better and it's a lot, a lot of home games in succession that the Villa have won. If you ignore the Everton game in the cup, which I assume that we're all doing, <laughs> we weren't. We weren't ignoring it on the night, Conan. That's for damn sure. <laughs> like, who's the cunt now? Let's all laugh at Liam for suggesting we got lucky with a four-one win a fortnight ago. We're actually probably better tonight than we were two weeks ago. This AZ team have caused us a fair bit of baller, and to come away with a a 6-2 win across the two legs. We should feel like fucking... We should feel like Gareth Southgate does every time Gary Neville picks up a mic. Flattered beyond belief. But that <laughs> that goal... I mean, I'd put money on on the loudest cheer in England whenever that goal went in, coming from Man United fan Howard Webb. I mean, the only, the only, the only thing worse than that decision was to fucking finish. And you have to have some sympathy for the referee because it's insanely bad... And they could, they, they would want to be insane to think that a human connected with a ball like that, a professional footballer connected <laughs> with a ball like that. No way. Give the corner. <laughs> Maybe we did deserve a bit of luck, Luke, because the Longley goal is such a weird offside. And there was poor Clement Longley thinking, I'm back in business. Here I am. I've arrived. Villa Park. Goal. Let's go. <laughs> and... and Jesus, I've never seen a ball going out to a player from the corner spot, sort of going back out to him in a straight line, and he's blown up for offside. It was really, really bizarre, so tight as well, and just 
just one of those decisions that didn't need to be given, I would say, I think. Like, this is the sort of one that is added to the list of why people get, get annoyed at VAR because suddenly the game's not refereed the way it would be refereed in real life. What, badly and not understanding the rules? <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the build-ups of this, what a gallop from Big Ezra to go storming down the right wing. And this, this is the irritating thing about playing against people like Ezra Kanza. If, if they take a good touch, they'll fuck you. If they take a bad touch, you'll fuck yourself because you'll think you can win the ball. But he's just too fast, too dynamic. He's going to get there first. You'll have committed yourself and given him just an easier decision to make than committing Gary Neville after he said Harry Maguire is England's most important player. <laughs> but the, the corner, the, the, that corner finally worked as well. The big looping corner under the back post is really good and really surprising that Ollie Watkins is the person who gets in. It's not that surprising that Ollie Watkins misses it, but, you know, how has he ended up being the one that's free? Like, they have two things to worry about from set pieces. Ollie Watkins, and how the fuck are we going to deal with Carlos if the ball goes anywhere near him? The, the, the defender <laughs> that, was one, sorry, yeah. That corner was the only thing we were doing all night from corners. It's so strange. That's, that's the only thing we've been doing from corners for the last couple of weeks. Just floated under the back post. But normally, in a pre- when you're playing against a Premier League team, they've got a few men figuring it out that, oh, they're just lobbing this to the back post. Let's just get a few men to the back post. Since they only Watkins or centre forward is just standing in five yards of space. The defender does really well on the line. And, it, and when it comes back out to Bailey, it's a lovely little clip in from him. But we've never really questioned his technical ability. That's never worried us before. It's how <laughs> it's how clued in he is. And he's getting better at it. He's he's getting into the box. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He's running and he's passing with purpose. But that next step, a really, really top class, really, really clued in footballer. When they take a corner, they come off the byline. Like, what are you, why is he still standing on the byline? He's going to be offside if the ball comes back out to him. That ball might have been headed straight back out to him, and then he's offside immediately. Get off the byline, Leon. What the fuck are you playing at? Yeah. It's just the way it came back out to him from the, the goal line, basically, and off one of their players. It just seemed like, let him go. Let him let him stand around all he wants. Let him float another lovely ball into the box. And it was fitting because this was the only routine we're doing, and maybe it is the only routine we've been doing, that Austin McPhee comes out at half time with a cup of coffee. Because it's just like this boy's just relaxing now. He's just in <laughs> holiday mode. Yeah, just, just whip it in again there, see how that works. And I have to say, though, unless you're Cardo Ancelotti, I don't think I, this isn't an Austin McPhee thing. I don't think I want to see your coaches coming out with a cup of coffee. And I know it's a cold night, but you, you're here to work. And I like, look, I drink plenty of coffee and plenty of tea at work. But I hold Aston Villa staff to a higher standard than my professional career. And it's it just, it's it just, it's it's not, it, this isn't working in an office. This is like, get the sleeves up. This is get to work. And I don't want to see somebody having a little treat to themselves while we're, while we're in the middle of battle. He's coming out, blowing his coffee, getting his hands warm. Like, you know, come on. Like I, have, I have sympathy for why you're having coffee and work having to hang out with all your pals in the media but I also <laughs> I also want to see Austin McPhee drinking as much fucking coffee as possible because I want to see his brain working a little bit quicker I want to see him trying something different and floating the ball into the back post <laughs> one thing we still haven't figured out yet is 
a ball over the top. How do we defend it? How do we defend it? And I tell you how we don't defend it is by having a slow defender at <laughs> centre back. And like this, you can't really blame Longley here. I, I blame the setup. Really, like, it's, it's stupid. You can't you can't go in and play this high line with players who can't get back. Uh, we, they can't get back at the same pace as Pavidis is getting back. We, we have to have players who are fast, and it works when we have those players. But when we don't have those players. Just the question why we're playing that way, and it's it's just a ball over the top. Longley's outpaced. Luca Dean looks like he's out of his body. I don't know what he thought happened. He just stopped, completely froze, and it took him about five seconds to turn around and realize that Longley is now chasing two players because Luca Dean didn't bother coming back to to help out, and that's it. Just a ball from defense over the top, and it's a goal. Yeah. I... I, I think AZ are a good wee team, right? <laughs> oh, you've been shouting on about that for a while. They, they scored an offside goal in the first half as well. And in the build-up to that, the, the decision, the decisions about when to press was spot on. You know, if, if a fullback and it was deemed at this stage, has the ball and he's facing his own goal and the keeper is blocked off, you fucking go. And to be honest, John McGinn should have been a lot more sympathetic to his teammate in that station situation as well. He was just standing around there waiting to see how, how Dean gets on. Drop in! Or at least know that AZ know when to press. They're a good wee team. And, and the football the football they play back after they do turn it over in that situation was lovely. Or was it though, Conan? Because I don't think these lads were playing the same sport as us at all times. Like if, if anyone is doing a sports science degree or a sports psychology degree, here's your thesis title. Why can't professional footballers resist playing the ball to their teammate? They know is offside. Or, or okay, if it's going to be optimism bias and the offside optical illusion or something like that, it's probably more appropriate for a thesis title. But <laughs> the amount of times that an as end player got the ball, looked up, could see it. They must have been able to see that he was five yards offside. And just played the ball to him anyway. Sadiq got the ball rolled under his feet three times in that first half when he had just gone. He stopped. He knew he was offside, and the ball's just at his feet. And he's looking back at him, saying, "What he's doing? I don't want to have. To, I don't have to go collect this now for the linesman to tell me I'm off." But it all bears fruit eventually, and <laughs> it's far too simple. And like, I'm not. I'm not going to be imparting new information here, but. If you're going to play on the halfway line, and remember, Conan, I'm Emery in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that you have to you have to have some sort of pressure on the ball at all times. And if Clement Longley and Luca Dean are one half of your defence, you'd want to be in danger of running out of balls because they're bursting left, right, and centre from the amount of pressure you're putting on up the field. Like you can't just let them cleep up on the ball over the top because Longley's gonna get caught out. Yeah. <laughs> That is a very important element, though, is like you're you're up that high for reasons because you can put pressure on further up the pitch. You can keep them trapped in. You can force them to play those balls happy in the knowledge that you will retrieve them ahead of them or they'll be caught offside. It's it's the sort of thing that Dion Dublin and his analysis of Villa's high line seem to seem to not get that Villa can can now control what happens with that ball when they're on it. They can control the size of the pitch up in that other team's half as well. They can congest things up there rather than just standing back. How many games has Dion Dublin watched at Aston Villa where they've been really bad defensively? Don't worry about this high line. It's been very successful. <laughs> going really well. And it's not in spite of the high line. This is quite... <laughs> 
it's part of how Aston Villa play. This is part of how Aston Villa have scored 26 goals in the fucking league. (laughs) And yeah, we talked about the goal. They got them back into this game. Lovely Diego Carlos header. I mean, for God's sake, I don't think I felt as much sympathy since Jacob Ramsey went off after coming back from injury. (laughs) But there's Diego Carlos as well, getting his goal back in the team. And it's it just looks like it, it looks it looks like he's probably seriously injured the way he was going off. He looked pretty looked pretty annoyed. He he took it like the champion that we know he is, and he applauded everybody. But it was almost like a thanks and sorry again. Like sorry about this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm really frustrated. I'm more frustrated than you, and it's it's such a shame. I really hope that it's not a bad injury. Yeah, it's grim, a grim sight. And he went down just before that as well. So you'd think maybe he tried to play through it and he couldn't play through it. And if someone like Diego Carlos can't play through an injury, you'd have to suspect that it's pretty bad. Yeah. Is there going to be a better looking physio room than Aston Villas with Diego Carlos and Tyrone Mings and Alex Moreno <laughs> running around in there? We'll save that for the question box later. <laughs> <laughs> and the winning goal... Ollie Watkins, if only he could see, if only he could go back in time to the Nottingham Forest game and realise it was that easy. There's a ball, <laughs> put in front of you, just stretch your neck out a little bit more and get your head on it. It's a good header, but it's a delicious ball from Douglas Ruiz. We had a, we had a call on some of the big boys to get this job done. And yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, nice, it's a nice ball in from Douglas Ruiz, really. That's what opens the whole thing up and Watkins gets his head on it. It's a, it's a lovely goal. Everything about it, including Watkins' shit first touch at the start of it, because then you get to see Ollie Watkins doing that other side of his game that he does so well. Win it back, play a good ball out, get back into the box. Bailey tries a little look, does well then, just to knock it into a camera or camera and not, and not mess around either. And whips it in straight away. Ordinarily, he'd be standing on the ball too long. Kamara rolls it off. And Jesus Christ, the pass, Conan, like the pass. I'd say Watkins doesn't get treated this well by his missus. I mean, the <laughs> caress on that pass is just out of this world. Uh, ridiculous stuff. And yeah. Ollie Watkins does well to get on to the end of it, but it's all about the pass. And that's, you say we call on the big guns. This is exactly why you're calling on them as well. Ah, oh, it's amazing. Mm. Let's do a quick break and then we'll come back with a couple of awards before we get onto the question box. You're an Emery underneath that Aston Villa blazer as well. I don't think, have we seen the Aston Villa blazer on an Emery? I don't fucking know, Conan. <laughs> well, we do questions we can't answer, but probably will. Let's do anything else, literally <laughs> anything else. But speaking of tuxedos, Matt Cash was taking this thing seriously. Matt Cash was there wearing a dicky bow. Tyrone Mings just slagging him for his shoes, said they were too big for him, but he looked the part. Ollie Watkins with a simple black tie. We could probably do a whole bloody podcast on this. It turns out you can't you can't use your bench boost when you when you play a wild card on the same game mix. It was an award ceremony and they wore suits, and somebody who's talking about a fashion segment on a football podcast doesn't even know what a lapel is. Like what what do you think? What do you think the talking point this year? Like, what do you what do you think the broadcastable content this year? Well, like, it's, it's, where, it's, where do you think this conversation is going, Conan? Like, what, what, I think it's the, going towards John Duran wearing trainers and Leon Bailey wearing a polo shirt underneath his black blazer. Like, what is wrong with you? You must be a fucking nightmare to go to a wedding with. Hey, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, hey, tell you what, big shout for Mickey to go tireless. 
and, and not because it's a formal affair. I didn't think you had the neck for it, if I'm being honest. Well, the good news, like, well, it's not even good news because it's a double game week. Like, you would think, well, Barkley won't, like, one of your bench players will not come in, but Barkley will play someone against Sheffield United. So yeah, but like, the good news, you're falling into the trap of thinking that anyone gives a flying fuck about your fantasy football team. <laughs> I was actually about to say there, at least weddings happen more often in the summer, so you're less likely to drift into fucking fantasy football talk. But then I remembered, end of <laughs> July, start of August, is the worst time to have a conversation with you, because you've got this fucking blank expression on your face and a heightened restlessness, even impatience, because all you want to do is steer the conversation back to whether or not you should go for Salah and Watkins to distinguish yourself from everyone else who's going with Almiron and Haaland and something about a double game week and some bollocks about someone else cooking <laughs> and someone else's idol being finished, sadly. <laughs> so, underneath his, what did you say it was called, a lapel? Jesus. Underneath that. That would make sense because my friends in the media call the microphone a lapel mic because that's where it attaches. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> the lapel mic but underneath you know you pressed record yeah rest you pressed record half an hour ago maybe you've forgotten it's still recording what do you think of that (laughs) Uh, i think you're a fucking idiot welcome back to the villa podcast with me conan doherty and the irritable brother the irritable brother Liam Doherty. <laughs> the best tweet of all time that we ever got into the Villa podcast, I have to say. It said, I don't think I've ever heard this Conan lad on the Villa podcast as fed up after a game as Sunday. When the irritable brother is trying to talk you down, you know we must have been shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. How's the irritable brother feeling today? Well, pretty good, pretty good. So, you know, so long as we get the win, just like, you know, you, you two weeks ago, so long as we get the win, that's all that matters, Conan. That's all That's all I need to, to keep myself ticking over. It doesn't matter what the performance is like. Are you accusing me of scoreboard journalism? <laughs> I do have some irritations to get out through. Let's go to the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award. And I think we've got a two-horse race and we've got two nominations from our listeners. One is from Baz saying, must be Diaby. And I'm not... I'm not liking what I'm seeing here. We talked about him on Sunday. That's I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I am probably thinking about it from a fantasy football point of view. But there is that element of it as well. But he's starting to drift a little bit in some games. The Abbey's too good to be letting that happen. Or the Abbey's too good for Emery to be letting that happen. But the other nomination comes from Steph, who said, Is it possible to get the winner? And still get the oh he was playing <laughs> award, and I think it might be. I think it might be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think he can be nominated for that award, seeing as he had the two most consequential moments in the match. He missed a fucking sitter in the first two three minutes, which resulted in our goal getting chalked off. Because if he just puts that in the fucking net, we win the game. He should never be missing that header. He's free at the back post. Score yeah. that, Ollie. Don't let Leon fall asleep on the byline, and then to score the winner. Ah, like you know, he certainly Douglas Louise knew where he was. Like not everybody else in the pitch knew where he was because Douglas Louise was able to disguise that pass so well. And maybe a large part of that disguise was the fact that nobody on the pitch recognised that Ollie Watkins was actually playing. 
Uh, what we do the vitamin meter because I want to mention Yuri Tillemans. I think he's going up. I thought he looked snappy tonight, really sharp across the ground, which I don't think we've seen so far in his Villa career. Not 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 to the tonight's levels. He was necking in. He was getting ball. He was driving forward with it. He was very progressive on the ball. It was a good Yuri Tillemans performance again. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's tracking back. Uh... Tracked back well a couple of times. I think he was the last man at one stage as well. And he got back with a, a surprising amount of pace. Yeah, nice snap. I think snap isn't a good, a good word to, to describe him tonight. Like the snap and his passing was was really good. Tried to play a couple of really, really interesting passes inside the defenders. That you only you only you know, when you're watching on TV, you don't you don't even see it. Then all of a sudden you just you can figure out what he was trying to do and it looks so gorgeous and it's just about not coming off. Yeah, I I think there's Situations where he's forcing it a little bit, and I think that's just the type of player that he is. But you wouldn't want that in every game. Um, but tonight, I think, based on how we played two weeks ago, where we just weren't on it and we weren't, we weren't, we weren't moving the ball quickly enough. Uh, it was nice to see him play with that urgency today, and he was he was right to be trying to push it because you, I think you can't push it against a team like that. Mm. Got a great email in at the Villa Podcast at gmail dot com from Arn that just said. In the subject, there's no body to this email. It just said, Big Bailey on the team sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and it summed up how I felt. I was like, yes, here we go. Big Bailey's on. And it's, it's an interesting environment question because part of me, maybe it's vibes. Part of me wants to push him up on the environment meter. Part of me also thought he was being a bit selfish tonight. There was one where... Look, I don't always want players playing a simple pass, but Villa were on a break. Look at Dean had busted a gut to make the overlap. All he had to do was push it in front of him and go again, and he caught inside. And that would be all right if he was doing something, like if he was using the Dean as a disguise, but he, he just caught inside to dick around a bit, and he drilled a bobbly pass of his right foot at the Abbey. He was coming back out. It was like, what was it worth it? You know, just play it in front of Luca <laughs> Dean sometimes. And I'm conscious that trying to take the bit of flair out of the flair players by saying that but I, I want to know where you're at with the Bailey Vyman meter because there's probably a question as well coming into this weekend like would you play him ahead of Zaniolo I think we have looked better whenever Bailey has been on Zaniolo's been re- I think Zaniolo's been quite good as well it's like it, it is definitely an interesting question the goal's coming <laughs> <laughs> well, he's gonna keep fucking trying anyway to get it. Um, like, I I really like this version of Leon Bailey. I mean, I think this is the type of player that we thought we were signing initially. He's he's dicking around a little bit on the ball too much, but he's dicking around with purpose. If that makes sense, you know, he's he's trying to. You can see that he what he's trying to do. He's not just doing stepovers. He's not just running into the corner and running all the way back out and fucking forcing the ball back to Martinez. He's getting the ball and he's trying to play it quicker. He's trying to move quicker. He's trying to get into the box with the ball, off the ball. I think he, I think he looks, I think he looks really dynamic. But I also think Zaniolo looks really dynamic. We're playing Fulham. I'll have to think about a little bit more about how Fulham actually set up to think of which one makes more sense. But it is, it's a good. I think it's a good option to have both of them because they both bring completely different things. And if something's not working out, you can change, you can change the team. 
you can change how you're playing. The only problem for Aston Villa is at the minute that that's all we can do. We can't just change the personnel because normally whenever you have a player like Leon Bailey or a player like Zaniolo, all you need to do is replace them because they're playing poorly, but we can't do that. Mm. Anybody else you want to push up on the Vimeometer? Maybe Konza again because I think he went down in the last game. It's it's nice sometimes in these Thursday night games seeing him try out right back. Just, you know, you, you go and have a bit of fun out there tonight. You've been dealing with a lot of pressure at centre back. You're off the off the leash. And I think he's really good at right back as well. It'd be be good if you could have two cons. The way you were describing him there with almost teasing defenders, they come try to get the ball. It's Lionel Messi stuff like that. That's how Lionel Messi. <laughs> That's how Messi dribbles. Like you, you can win it. I promise you can win it. No, you fucking can't. Wise up. And <laughs> Messi's doing it intentionally, Conan. Messi Conza took a heavy touch. <laughs> I, I sorry. I I I think Conza was much better in the first half at right back than he was in the second half. I think a lot of that was down to maybe. Maybe the AZ manager just didn't know that Konza can play right back. He just thought they're playing their centre half at right back, let him have it, because he had a lot of space in that first half and they weren't pressing him anywhere near as much as they should have been. Um, but I, I still think he played well. I think he was good on the ball. He recycled it well. He did get forward. He collected a lot of passes from Martinez. Really good first touch. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a brilliant player, but you can't possibly take him out of, out of centre half the way he's playing in there at the minute. And just on Diaby, I think there was a there was a five or ten minute period in the first half, just because I didn't mention him earlier on, where he he looked like he was getting on it and he was he was moving with a lot more urgency, a lot more pace. He's playing like Leon Bailey, Conan. And it and it just reminded you, oh fuck, he can do this. Why was he not doing it for the previous 35 minutes? And then the question became, why was he not doing it for the last 45? It was <laughs> it was just strange. That he was able just to inject that energy. It was almost like he decided, oh, I'm just going to take this game, but a scruff of the neck. And then he just yeah. stopped doing it again. But what the fuck was he doing before that? And what was he doing afterwards? It is strange. He is drifting a little bit too much out of games for my leg. And I think you're right. It was funny as well. He he thought he scored even with Shaka blocked down or two metres away from him. But it just I think he thought the way he positioned his body and came back onto his left and, and he drilled it and he, he looked like he was reading away already to celebrate and he just got blocked in front of him but I think that was some nice work from Kamara just ah Kamara just sometimes we talk about his body movement before <laughs> he's just ah he's, he's just he's just on a different plane like he's able to just buy himself more seconds he's able to move the ball into more positions that we didn't know were possible because he just lets it come across. He knows how to move all their people just by moving his own body and he was able to he was able to give that ball to Diaby then. Yeah. He got blocked out. The last couple of weeks he's been moving people into our box so as he was just dicking around <laughs> at the edge of it. Yeah. Probably we have to put Luca Dean up though, just because he's never ever going to get a break for the rest of the season, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and then he was probably just looking across at the bench saying, I mean, I don't want this lad to be back from injury, but come on, you can bring him on. <laughs> okay, let's go to the Conan Doherty. I'm getting Delph at the back of my shirt. Worst Twitter shirt of the week. <laughs> and I have found the three most depressing tweets on the internet. <laughs> they come from Man United fans. <laughs> The first one says, 
here's a Copenhagen player in an offside position interfering with Unana's line of sight <laughs> for goal one. <laughs> <laughs> the second one says, Far didn't even look at that big fella hitting Howland a dig, and he was important when they scored their third goal. <laughs> and then the last one says, just finished fourth now. I can't be ours watching Thursday Night Football. And I was like, what the fuck is this? My, I was I was immediately triggered. I'm about to start firing out responses here. How entitled do you think you are? <laughs> and the United fan followed up with, I should have been clear, fourth in the Champions League group. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's brilliant but you know how entitled the United fans think they are that they wouldn't be arsed trying to win the Europa League that they got fucking spanked out of and completely embarrassed last year that a competition they were trying to win last year don't forget and they were absolutely humiliated by Sevilla and the irony of that of course is like the lad is talking about Copenhagen scoring against United. He has to point it out. And he's saying the third goal as well. Copenhagen scored four goals against Man United. Stop fucking tweeting. Take a rest. Take a fucking beat. United are fucking shit. Their best defender is Harry Maguire. There was, there was footage you sent me of him tracking back from, from right wing. What was he doing on the right wing? Oh, oh, he stepped out with the ball trying to make something happen. Is that what he did? Or, or did he go for an aimless waddle up the pitch and end up having to shovel the ball back to centre half where he started from? Only now the setup is that Christian Eriksen is centre half and Harry McFucking Guire is right wing. And so naturally enough, Eriksen looked to his left. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, Eriksen played a shit pass and then Harry Maguire gets back into position, a position he aimlessly vacated in the fucking first place. And it took him about as long to get back as it takes Gareth Southgate to notice an on-fire Aston Villa player. <laughs> and he misses the block yep. like he, doesn't, he doesn't actually defend the situation he reacts too late he's not close enough and the cross comes in anyway and look it isn't really his fault it's it's the fact that he's getting praise for it is the problem here I mean it really tells you something about his ability that he's getting praise for it but it tells you a lot more about how desperate Man United fans are like your centre half running back slowly from the right wing and missing the block after your ball playing centre midfielder played a shit pass isn't the light at the end of the tunnel you fucking think it is. Mm. Like, and, and Ten Hag wasn't a fresh start either. You know, the dawning of a new day, the sunrise on the horizon. That was just the way the light was catching the top of his head. Like The, the whole club is a shambles. Jaden Sancho has been dropped because, because he won't apologise for saying he has trained. He should be apologising for being shit. Like Jaden Sancho whinging there about being scapegoated. Jaden Sancho, Harry Maguire, Paul Pogba, David De Gea, Onana, Solskjaer, Ten Hag, Fred, McTominay. They've all been labelled as a scapegoat. You can't have 15 scapegoats. <laughs> like the, nobody is saying that they are singularly the reason United are shit. We're just saying they are all shit. And Jaden Sancho is shit. He's not the reason United are shit, but he's one of the reasons. The owners, the managers, whoever's making the fucking transfer decisions, they're all shit. I was looking this up earlier, and that's five, you know, that's five biggest transfers ever. Paul Pogba, Anthony, Maguire, Sancho, and the pick of the lot, Romelu Lukaku. Like, that's their five biggest ever transfers. People were looking for Chelsea's, people were looking for an investigation into Chelsea's links to Saudi Arabia. You know they gave them sixty million for Mason Mount. Investigate that. <laughs>
And, 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 ten, ten High told everyone, you know, his problem was Ronaldo not pressing, and people praised him for being strong. His solution was Anthony Martial. Like he, he, he might press his hands together to beg his manager not to select him every once in a while. That's about all the pressure you're going to get out of that clown. <laughs> I think it does sum it up that the three most celebrated aspects of Man United on Man United Twitter in the last two seasons, I'd say, one of them was Mason Mount walking around applauding the fans after the Man City game. We talked about that. They lost 3-0, but Mason Mount, who did nothing in the game, spent a minute walking around clapping everyone. And like it worked. It worked. They all said this guy knows what it means to be a United player. <laughs> he knows what it means to be a United player right now. He's fucking getting spanked at home. <laughs> Oh, he knows. The second, like the second one that I was going to point out that they've been celebrating, or they really did, they really did like love it. Was Hannibal coming on while they were getting hammered against Liverpool and kicking somebody? <laughs> Just kicks it like, and like, it was Gary Neville that started that. And the third one is what he said: it's Harry Maguire sliding off the pitch, failing, to <laughs> failing to complete the block. And this like the, another man who gets it, like he he gets it because the defender, the centre back. The former captain ran back into defence that he was out of position from. This is where the rat like they are. You almost feel sorry, and then that's maybe maybe they don't want to be. They don't want sympathy either, but they are clutching at straws now for some meaning in the football team, and it's it, it is quite depressing. They're clutching at straws during games as well. You know, beating Brentford, beating Sheffield United, beating fucking Fulham by one goal with fucking last minute shit. Shots or screamers from your fucking right back who never had a ball better in his life, and he's got nine <laughs> points from that. It's really fucking frustrating. Yeah, let's go to the TVP question box to finish things out for this evening. Message from Paul said, "Do you take notes during games, or do you just send angry WhatsApp messages?" <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly say, I think our messaging back and forward in games isn't consistent. Sometimes it could be it could be lit. Other times you might not hear from each other. I think probably the biggest percentage of what we do send each other is going back and finding an old message <laughs> <laughs> and replying to that with the word "You're a fucking cunt," uh, because you might have said to me, "John McGinn's going to cook this week," I'm and then John McGinn, I fucking didn't say that to you. And John McGinn misses a sitter, so I go back and find that message that might have been sent two years ago. By um, you, it sounds like John McGinn's <laughs> gonna cook. And I reply saying, Blood thought he was gonna cook now. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm not joking, that's basically what the WhatsApp messages consist of. Yeah, I think it really, it really takes an, ex- an exceptional event or. Or maybe just even for one of us to have had an exceptionally bad day for us to WhatsApp during games now. Because I mean, mostly because I don't want to ruin the anticipation and the excitement of whatever nonsense might be released from that mysterious mind of yours, Connor. <laughs> well, you must have known that I was going to talk about you and I Emery scarf at some stage today, right? Like, be honest, you saw the scarf and you thought, for fuck's sake. I, I didn't think that. I saw Unai Emery on the touchline. With a scarf that was bringing everything else together, and no matter what he would have worn, that claret, that claret and navy scarf was going to bring anything underneath it together. Mm. Chris on the TVP question box on our Instagram account asked, 
best dressed villain manager of all time. <laughs> John Gregory for me. That's what he said. Hard to disagree. Like Una Emery's fashion choices are the only ones that have ever come on to my radar. <laughs> and, and I haven't been exactly responding to it like an air traffic controller. In fact, I've been hoping you're going to crash and burn every time you bring it up, to be honest. Very tall on Instagram asked <laughs> which, which current Villa players would make the best dress manager. Like, Conan, it's getting to the stage where the only fashion conversation you should be having is what suit you want to be buried in. <laughs> yeah, but I actually take out the would make the best dress manager. Which Villa player would make the best manager? It's not, it's always hard to tell when a player's playing who's going to make a good manager. But I was actually trying to think through the team and the squad, and I can't see any standout, standout candidates. Like maybe Mings, is that too obvious? Because he's captain. The the player that I keep coming to, and we've mentioned him tonight, and in unfortunate circumstances, is Diego Carlos. I think <laughs> Diego Carlos would be a really good manager. He would definitely look the part on the sideline. <laughs> I think he would be statesman-like. I think he'd be able to pull together a team underneath him, never mind then a team of footballers. The only thing about Diego Carlos is that there are not a lot of famous Brazilian managers that I that I know. And like I know you're thinking Scolari now straight away. Like Scolari, we can do better than that, can't we? We can't. Did a Google search? I can't find much Brazilian <laughs> managers. It's really it's really warming my cockles. So maybe Diego Carlos needs to change that course for Brazilians. Yeah, it's, it's an almost an impossible question to answer these days, seeing as football has evolved so much in the last couple of years. You know. <laughs> You just had to be inspirational and have a bit of clout, mostly to to have been successful back in the day. You could pick a few coaches, and that would be that would be enough for you. But now you really need you really need to have an insight into the level of intellectual players, into how interested they are in the actual game. That's the type of information you need before you could actually probably make a decent judgment about who would be a good manager. Mm. Jay asked, "You find Unai Emery buying in your partner?" <laughs> are you upset he's not sorting the team out or the cheating <laughs> I'm probably just asking is this what you meant by being connected with our fans <laughs> I'm not upset I'm not upset about anything it's like get those jeans into my family absolutely <laughs> I don't mean, don't mean jeans in a fashion sense <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be able to say for certain that he's not thinking about football you know Two up top, <laughs> one in the hole. I think he, he might, <laughs> he might, he might even just be thinking about football to aid his performance. Can you know help him last longer? Although anytime I think about it, Emery's football, I'm pretty close to coming. <laughs> Riley, cats or dogs? <laughs> dogs, avoid question. I go for dogs as well. I used to be afraid of cats, but I'm a big cat man now. Afraid of cats? Are you talking about fucking lions? <laughs> Did you ever see how, how a cat can move its paws? It fucking scratch the life out of you. Scratch um, the life out of you. Jesus, they would if they wanted to, and like a lot of them do want to as well. You have to, you have to get on inside with the cat. Them, a lot of them do want. They never trust the cat, Liam. That's what I say. You You're walking see, down the street, a cat will kill you and everyone you love. You ever see a cat out your front, just? Just spending half an hour trying to get closer to a seagull so it could fucking kill him for no reason. It's just, just they're just hunters. Don't like, don't you think that you're you're above that? A cat <laughs> will hunt you if it wants to. 
Uh, Harry asked, this is a tough one, low socks Leon Bailey or lockdown El Ghazi? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need more evidence. Or I, need, I need a bigger sample size of low socks Leon Bailey, which I absolutely love, but do not forget that lockdown El Ghazi was compared on this podcast by us two to Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, twice, twice. Yeah, it was definitely twice. It wasn't necessarily by the two of us. So. <laughs> I know we always had a bit of crack with El Ghazi and we might have used some needlessly graphic imagery to describe his performances pre-lockdown. But uh, <laughs> he he was absolutely brilliant during that season. I mean, I... If you were to think about players who have had double figures for Aston Villa in terms of goals, just you know, pure if you're looking pure output, it's in the Premier League. It's probably Watkins, Benteke, and Grealish in the last ten years, and then Al Ghazi as well. He was he was lethal that season. His penalties, you've talked about his penalties enough on this podcast. It comes up regularly, <laughs> and I, I think you're right though. I think we need to see a bigger sample size from Leon Beatty. He has been very good this season. But Leon Bailey has got a much higher ceiling than even lockdown El Ghazi. Yeah, just keep the head down, Leon. Keep the socks down. Well, keep the head up a bit more as well. (laughs) Head up, socks down, and see how we go. Uh, Stephen asked, how irritable is Liam today? (laughs) I think we might have gotten a different answer if the question box wasn't fucking front-loaded with questions about fashion. People <laughs> people appear to be inordinately and exclusively interested in fashion and people shagging our wives. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is from Ronan. He said, compile legs, upper body, face and hair of Villa players for your own appearance. As in how I look or how I would like to look? How you would like to look. <laughs> why why don't you do how you look and I'll go how you, <laughs> how we would both like to look? As it's, it's probably the same answer for me. It's just kind of like a ginger pasty to Mings. <laughs> um the, the the tough one that I'm having here is would you rather Tyrone Mings' upper body or Watkins' upper body? <sighs> I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Watkins. I, I'd find it hard to go... to not go Watkins for any of these. <laughs> <laughs> for face, for legs, for hair. Right. Who do we got for her? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Who have we got for her? Well, whose hair would I like to have with all the Aston Villa players? I'm, ha- I'm happy enough as it is, Conan. Remember you were so excited at the prospect of Aston Villa qualifying for Europe? <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I remember quite clearly saying I am not sitting here on a Thursday night doing a fucking podcast about Michelin. Little did I know that I would be now sitting here thinking I would love, love to do a podcast about fucking Michelin, about a game of football, instead of sitting here talking about would I rather keep my own hair or would I rather have Jacob Ramsey's? <laughs> yeah. Let's go Kanza legs. <laughs> Walkins upper body. 
Moreno face and Zaniolo hair. Let's do it, Connor. Let's do it. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. I think we've just about run out of filler content, so we will wrap it up there. Say goodbye and chat to you at the weekend.